The car business is rapidly changing and modern car dealers are meeting the demand. I'm Michael Cirillo, and together we're going to explore what it takes to create a thriving dealership and life in the retail automotive industry. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with subject matter experts that are designed to help you grow. This is The Dealer Playbook. Dave Farrow is a two-time Canadian Guinness world record holder for most decks of playing cards memorized in a single sighting. He's an entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and memory coach. His trademark Farrow method was proven in a neuroscience double-blind study conducted by McGill University and is helping turbocharge business teams to perform at new heights. He has said that, quote, there is nothing more empowering or motivational than discovering the ability for superhuman memory has been inside you all along. Close quote. Dave, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook podcast. Oh, thanks very much for having me. This is uh, this is fun. I love doing interviews like this. I, I can't help but notice a lot of the the uh, photos on your walls. I'm anticipating probably from TV appearances and stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Minute. But I'm curious, how does one, how, how did you come to the realization that you had a really good memory? Yeah, I didn't mean to trip over any names that I dropped, but, you know, it's important to get the, get the word out. Um, I, I love that line. Um, I did not actually, that's actually the first question everybody asks. And yeah. I have to say that um, I, I did not have a good memory when I started. This is a trained memory. This is something you can learn uh, and train yourself in, like, like martial arts of the mind. Um, I actually, uh, I had an okay. Okay, memory, but I uh, was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia uh, when I was 14. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the in those in those days, also, I'm a little older than people diagnosed today. Um, it was uh, it was just a, a, a crazy train wreck of trying to treat, and I was essentially kind of written off by the system. I literally had a teacher who told me that you know I, I would never accomplish my goals, that I have to like you know um, um, be more realistic, and I, my goals were fairly realistic. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, run my own business, have employees, you know, and Mm -hmm. travel and things like that. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was pretty mean. So I actually, uh, decided to figure out my brain. I went on an autodidactic quest because I found that the institutions used, uh, you know, learning method and teaching methods that were not really, uh, uh, based on data and science. They were kind of based on credentials, you know, some educator wrote a book and then, you know, they would use that as, as their, as their tool, um, you know, which is fine if, if the data is there, but I was going to seek the reality and I was very open. I went all, all the way into, you know, looking into mentalism and hypnosis and everything. I learned how to, you know, read lips and, and a bunch of other stuff in the process. And what I came upon was nowhere near what I eventually developed and started, you know, coming up with my own memory techniques. Um, but uh, the result was fantastic. Once I started using this in classes, I, um, I went from, you know, bottom of the class to, well, well, at first I, I did really well on tests. And I was accused of cheating. So I did uh, almost a year where I was constantly in the detention doing my tests over and over while they would like literally search me or uh, one time they took my shoes off because they were certain that the doodles I had on my shoes were, were secrets to the test because because nobody could really, you know, realize that you can have a superhuman memory. You just have to know how your brain works. Mm. This is really interesting. I had a conversation recently with um, Scott Flansberg, a.k.a. the human calculator. Yeah, he's a good 
what friend. you just said reminded me of something. He, he didn't really say it this way, but it kind of triggered a conversation around the fact that when you're utilizing the appropriate part of your brain for the task at hand, it almost, to your point, it feels superhuman and it feels natural. And a testament to that was with, with Scott's math, you know, lessons and whatnot. One of my sons who is deathly afraid of math just does not enjoy it, doesn't enjoy any of that kind of stuff. When he started doing some of the exercises that Scott talks about using, well, I think he calls it area 44 or something like that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, here's my 12 year old going, why don't they teach us this in school? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, I had, and I had the same sort of uh, feeling. There's a whole realm of, of uh, mental training that um, is kind of skipped by academia for a long time. In fact, it actually dates back to ancient Greece. The very first um, academy, the very first academic institution made by Aristotle, one of the courses, one of the eight uh, fields of study was memory. These techniques do date back that far, but at some point it became more of a you know, master and apprentice style teaching method rather than uh, anything sort of formal. And I think it's because it uses your imagination. And there was a, a big push at one point that anybody who uses their imagination, that's not real learning, that's horrible, and you've got to be all serious and everything. And, you know, they took a lot of the joy uh, out of it, not to mention um, all the creators, you know, people in this world who are creators, rebels, I mean, just uh, as any as anybody that Steve Jobs would refer to in an Apple ad, you know, are changing the world. Um, so I think we've kind of come around to it now, and we understand that there are tools and tactics that we can use. And I would actually correct a little bit what you said and would say that that the result seems superhuman. You know, like uh, people who take my course, they can memorize thousands of digits of numbers in a row. Um, I, I I did a demonstration where I memorized uh, fourteen hundred words of Cantonese in, in just a weekend, uh, you know, and, and that was fun because I could understand what people in Chinatown were, were actually saying about me. Um, and, uh, and, and like it goes on and on. You can do all these things. They seem superhuman, but when you actually get into it, you realize that it's actually natural. Your brain has the ability to remember all of this stuff with about as much effort as it takes to remember, say, the plot to Star Wars. Like, you know, probably been a long time since you saw that movie, but if you really sat down, tried to write it out, tried to do a test on it, you'd probably do movie puts information into your brain the way the brain wants to absorb that information. It's as simple as that. Uh, We just haven't, um, you know, taught a lot of people how to do that in academics. We we do it in entertainment. We do it in in games. Gamification of education is coming someday. Uh, It's not quite here yet, but it's on the way. Um, But I think that's really, that's really where we're, we're headed is just understanding how our brain works in that way. Does what you teach, tie in or at all closely related to then the ability to form new habits or build new healthier habits? Yeah, actually I, I have a, I have a book coming out called brain hacker and, and uh, in my, in my online course at fairmemory.com, we go well beyond memory. A uh, memory is basically just a connection in the brain. That's, that's all it is. So uh, the ability to form new connections allows you to have good long-term memory, but also your ability to understand connections uh, creates your beliefs, your habits, your attitudes. There's a whole section I have uh, on uh, the mental thermostat about how we all have uh, a certain level in our brain of success that we feel we deserve, and we've essentially connected that to us. That's our identity. Uh, but 
that can also be responsible for a lot of self-sabotage. Let's say you don't feel like you deserve to be loved. You could sabotage a relationship. You, You don't deserve the promotion you got. You can get imposter syndrome. All of this stuff is where kind of the real world doesn't match the connections you've made in the brain. And when you have the ability to just edit those connections like you know like uh, slicer does to dna you know you can just edit it and re put it back together you can you can dramatically change your outlook on life and change your your life i mean i'll give you one simple hack here's, here's, a, here's a simple brain hack that we cover that that's not a memory one but it's super simple um is just counting the counting hack is so powerful so um i use an example of how i used to grind my teeth a lot Uh, It was a nervous habit. I have ADD, so I like to tap them and everything. And after a while, they were starting to get sore. And I was really worried that I was, like, damaging my teeth. So one of the simplest things you can do is just carry around a little piece of paper and put a tick every time you do that bad habit, whether it's, you know, biting your nails or smoking or whatever it is, um, or having a craving for a bad food, something like that, and just start keeping track. And you'll find, you know, day number one, uh, maybe you don't notice a whole lot. Day number two, you'll see a lot of them because now you'll be aware of them. And then it'll slowly decrease. After a few days, you'll you'll catch yourself even before you do it. And simply by being aware and paying attention and counting them, they start to disappear. It's actually really powerful. And it's the simplest little habit hack you can do. Mm. It reminds me of when I signed up for Weight Watchers and they allocated me, I think, 31 of their points per day and then i went and checked on my beloved coke slurpee and realized that it was like 47 points and it immediately reframed my brain i like i no longer desired the slurpee and i haven't had one for you know the space of two years and that's what i'm reminded of as you're saying that if i can see how horrendous this habit is and how often it occurs maybe it reshapes my brain well, here's a neat hack actually for um, for uh, a, a food craving. Um, I had the same thing with uh, with Wendy's uh, Wendy's Frosty. I was I was addicted to those things, man. I gained like 20 pounds. It was crazy. Um, and it was it was always it was because it was on my drive home, and I was very stressed right. when I got home. I'm like, hey, this is my reward for working so hard, right? right. We justify all these things, right? So um, a simple way to do it actually is to use visualization. On some level, your brain thinks whatever you visualize actually happens. That's why Olympic athletes visualize themselves doing a successful run time and time again before they do the run. It it dramatically improves your results, things like that. Um, They do things with astronauts as well, like uh, all sorts of people. Event rehearsal is a very well-established science. It's not, you know, woo-woo at all. Uh, So take that to one step further. If you visualize something going terribly, it's going to ruin that experience for you. So I imagined um, every day for about a week, I imagined a couple times a day that I would be eating a Wendy's Frosty and it was like something disgusting. Like there was mold growing on it or ants or crawling into my mouth or it was like somebody replaced it with motor oil or something. By the end of that week, I couldn't even look at a Frosty. And to this day, I haven't even had one and I haven't even craved one. Now, I want to be clear, though, it'll ruin that food for you. So be careful what you do. You, you won't want it ever again, but it'll only ruin that food though. Like I still eat ice cream. I still eat things that are similar. So sure. that that's like for a specific addiction. There are other, you know, hacks for, for other situations. That's fascinating. Talk to me about your Faro method. You, you explained a little bit about how you arrived at creating this method, but then you also said that you've got people who have taken your training, who've attended perhaps some of your events who are now able to remember thousands of digits and numbers in a row or 
things of that oh, nature, yeah. or to the point of your Guinness yeah. record holder, most decks of playing cards memorized in a single sighting. Yeah. So, so talk to me about what is the Pharaoh method and where, where does one get started in this whole journey of increasing their, sure. their memory? Well, you know, any Google search, you can actually find memory techniques. You can look on Wikipedia, go down a, a little rabbit hole and find some of the basic memory techniques. Um, I learned them as well, but I found them wanting. Um, I found that when you actually try to apply them to a real world situation, you know, I can memorize a few words of vocabulary, try to learn a whole language. All of a sudden, I've got a whole bunch of situations that my techniques, you know, weren't, weren't doing things for. And the biggest one for me was focus. Um, I can use a great memory technique, but if I can't get myself to actually pay attention long enough to do it, then I, I, I would fail. Um, and that was actually my secret weapon for my Guinness record. Uh, the, the Guinness record that I have is a bit more than just uh, most decks of cards uh, um, memorized. It's uh, all the cards are all shuffled together. And it has uh, one of the lowest, uh, it has the lowest, actually, uh, error rate allowed in the Guinness Book of Records for memory. Mm. In hindsight, I, I should have chosen any other memory record other than that one. It's like the toughest one. So you're only allowed 0.5% wrong. Like, so out of the 3,068 cards in my Guinness record, the, the 59 decks, um, you know, that's uh, something like 24. Like, it's a very small amount. I only got one error out of the 3,068 cards. And, and the way I did that was I uh, developed a focus technique to overcome my ADHD. And this is where my system, you know, I use traditional memory techniques and I teach everybody what, what exists and I teach it in a really good way. But then also in the course, I have my proprietary techniques that I develop that, that add on to it, that take it to the next level. Uh, and the focus technique is a good example of that. Basically, uh, you have the most powerful computer ever conceived of in existence. And one way to think of it is the brain is the most complex thing that the brain is aware of. You know, that, that we are right. even aware of in the entire universe. So uh, the problem is that it has a terrible battery. Uh, the, the fact is that we cannot pay attention to something for long periods of time without losing focus, making mistakes, that sort of thing. We're not robots. The reason has to do with brain chemistry. It, just thinking, uh, doing tasks, builds up serotonin, it changes our brain chemistry, makes us tired makes us make mistakes. Uh, so what I did was I, I turned tasks into a kind of interval training where I did work for very short periods of time. We're not talking the Pomodoro thing where it's like 45 minutes at a time. We're talking, right. you know, five to eight minutes and I call them focus bursts and then a short break and then a burst again. And there's certain rules on how you do it so that you maximize your focus during that time and you can actually have perfect recall. But the cool thing is by giving yourself that break in between, your brain chemistry returns back to normal and you can just keep on going and i've had students do focus bursts for uh eight ten even one even did it for 36 hours to see if he could uh and and at the end of it the problem is that you're not really tired so he, he couldn't he was kind of wired so he couldn't go to sleep but the, counter that to um you know compare that to to studying in general where you study for like three, four hours, you're exhausted and that's because your brain chemistry has gone so far into that serotonin in, you know, uh, pool. Um, and a lot of people think they have terrible memories or they have terrible focus uh, just because they're not using their brain uh, chemistry in the right way. I need this. And I need this <laughs> because, you know, it's funny. My father-in-law who worked his entire career, heavy labor, road construction, mm -hmm. he comes home exhausted. Here I yeah. am at a computer and a mouse wasted when I get home, just completely obliterated. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's funny because you'd go, well, what do you do? You just sit at a computer and have meetings all day and blah, 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 blah. And it was hard for me yeah. to articulate. And, and 
until now. I, I wish I would have talked to you two years ago when this conversation came up. I would have been like, well, actually. Um, so, 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 so uh, yeah, fairomemory.com, we have the whole program. And it's originally that focus technique was developed for kids with ADD. Mm. Um, but we found that just about everybody really benefits from it. And there, it might be even a bit of an advantage that ADD people have because when you DD in the right way, you can activate hyper-focus because most of the time people only do that for things like video games or something, you know, where a kid can't stop paying attention with, without giving away the farm. Is there one little, so you talked about these little bursts. I'm curious now, what are you doing during the break? Yeah, no, and listen, I'm happy to give away the farm. I want to help as many people as possible. Um, I think anybody who's listening to this knows that this is complex stuff we're talking about. So right. me just describing how a technique is done, there's, uh, by going through the exercises and the step-by-step, -step, sure. you're going to be guaranteed the result. Here, you get kind of an idea of how it could work. So I'm, right. I'm happy to give you an answer anything I can. Um, the, uh, the, the breaks, uh, one way to think of this is like a high-low uh, intensity. Um, you want to have your breaks be something that are low intensity. Now, I've done uh, reading a novel, you know, for the low intensity things. But to be honest, I actually have reverted to just like watching a TV on Netflix, uh, watching a show on Netflix, like on pause. And I'm literally watching it five minutes at a time. And the reason is that I'm so productive during the focus burst because of the, the strategies and, the, and the, the way that you like, you know, challenge yourself and, and tackle something, you know, very challenging. And you can break up your work into tiny modules so you can take a, a basically a bite out of it each time. You get so much done that even with those breaks, you're getting you're getting, you know, two or three times more things done in the same hour than if you just tried to plow through and work the entire time. But you're miserable. So mm. I use those breaks also as a, as a reward. But um, I have had people that have switched tasks and I tell them that they have to have a more passive task. So reading is fine, uh, even reading for pleasure or something, you know, just as long as it's not too complex material. I've done some 3D modeling. I, I, I do that. Uh, I do like I'm into 3D printing and, and design and stuff. So I've done that. Um, but then you go back to the difficult task, which is something like memorizing or something intense that will really burn, you know, it'll, it'll burn your brain chemistry. It'll, it'll, you know, build up that serotonin burn out the dopamine your adrenaline will kick in but that only lasts for like six to eight minutes tops um you know things like that uh, and if you try to push yourself further then the adrenaline kind of tries to compensate for everything else uh and then you then your body produces cortisol which is that stress hormone which can essentially if you try to push yourself too hard what happens is you actually train yourself to be forgetful your your brain will essentially try to do what you what it thinks you want it to do which is keep on working mm-hmm and but it does that by releasing you know, cortisol and adrenaline and other things. Um, and you feel like you're accomplishing something because you're working. Right. But at the end of the day, when you look back at that time, they're incredibly unproductive. You're just not getting things done. Wow. You know? So it's a matter of like how much you actually want to get done versus how much you want to feel like you're you're working. It, it makes perfect sense. I mean, when when we exercise, we are like you, you drew the analogy to hit training, perhaps where. You're going high intensity and then you rest. High intensity, then you rest. If our physical body benefits yeah, from actually, that. Yeah. And I actually have a theory about that, that I think this is an evolutionary process, that um, it goes back to fight or flight. You know, and, I mean, think about our, our ancestors would have spent most of the day relaxing until they saw a tiger. Then they're, they're either like they're running or they're there with their spears or something. But 
I mean, fast forward just like five minutes, that situation will be resolved. Either the tiger's going to leave or the tiger's going to eat them or they're, they're going to have tiger for breakfast, whatever it is. So my point is that these crises in the natural world, what our, our brains are evolved for, and the crisis uh, in the natural world lasts about six to eight minutes tops. Have you ever seen a real fight? I mean, you'd be lucky to go like, you know, three minute rounds even for boxing. So your brain is really good at being really smart for those short periods of time because that's what nature needed for what you know 250 to 500,000 years depending on where you market um and now all of a sudden we're trying to uh keep that that same thing going for eight hours a day and it's failing you know so it makes it makes a lot of sense this is my adaptation um uh just just understanding this can help a lot of people uh, i think just understanding that it's not your fault uh you know you're not tired because you didn't get enough sleep or something if anything you're probably pushing yourself you're you're getting your adrenal glands going and then that's making it tougher for you to sleep later on so you think you have insomnia but really you have a focus strategy issue so i'm thinking about the how the workplace needs to implement more breaks like make it more okay for more breaks so that employees or team members can actually have a better shot at increasing performance and i think sometimes we we fall in love with the idea of hustle we forget that rest is as crucial to success as is the the high intensity yeah, yeah i mean it could be it could be compared to uh you know a, a, a person chopping down wood you know uh, the time that you spend sharpening the axe is just as important as the time you spend chopping right um i uh i also run a company called ferro communications uh it's a, a rather uh, good sized uh, pr and marketing firm so i've got 10 employees and what i decided to do if anybody's you know th- thinking about this in their job or their place of business, especially because we've gone mostly virtual. We're in the office maybe two days a week because I like my employees and I like to give them time. Right. Um, the way we've actually become more productive is by having a task-based system. So everything is broken down into tasks and check marks and you got to do your stuff each day. Uh, and as long as you get your stuff done, then it doesn't really matter how many hours you spent doing it. You know, we don't clock in, clock out. We give, you know, flex time and everything and, 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 and abilities. And uh, we got tremendously great feedback from all of our clients saying that, that, you know, the work is fantastic. It's really good. Um, and it's because I think when you're looking at, okay, I just have to write this one page, or I just have to do this one bit of research. When you're looking at a quantifiable sum, it's much easier for your mind to get around it. It's much easier to block out all the distractions and just do the thing. And whether or not you're using like focus bursts or you just, you know, you're just focusing in on one thing at a time. I think that's the future of uh, not only education, but maybe even work, like you said, like, like we're starting to get to that with the, the gig economy. And I think that that might be where we're all headed because it is the natural mm-hmm. place. I hope, I hope they give me credit for the Guinness, for the focus burst thing though. I think I just, I think I'm just like, I'm, I'm just, I have a note in, in the, in the song that is our, our focus strategy for humanity. Like, I think we're, we're naturally going to be going there. Yeah. I think this is amazing. I have so many more questions. We'll definitely love to have you back on the show. Uh, but for now, how can those listening uh, get in touch with you and learn more about your Pharaoh method? Well, the best way is to go to Pharaoh Memory. Um, I believe Google is being nice to us, and it should pop up if you look, if you put in Dave Pharaoh or something. Pharaoh is 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 uh, F F with an arrow, right? And this is our logo, the F with the arrow coming out. So Clever. a little mnemonic there. Um, and obviously, you know how to spell memory. So just pharaohmemory dot com if uh, you can't find it in Google, and there's a great deal for your listeners as well. Uh, 
uh, and I stand behind every single one of these. Now, uh, this program, people are, are we're talking about this now. This is kind of a, a, a redo, a reimagining, because my original program is uh, is a, a bestseller, sold over a hundred thousand copies. Uh, it went all around the world. Um, you know, this was in the early two thousands to two thousand ten, and then we took a little hiatus for a little while because the science was really, really cutting edge, and I got involved in some of the science and tech, uh, and and we did our double blind study and a bunch of other things. I've been writing books and stuff, and now this program is even more powerful than the program that I had in the past, uh, and it's more affordable. So I think that uh, it's something that uh, you know will help anybody out there, and I stand behind it. Amazing, man. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot. You're a great interview. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. Thanks for listening.